Today's episode is brought to you by Yelp, whose mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They're also helping me connect with you, which is totally awesome. Now here we go. You can learn it in the kitchen. You can go after, but if you don't know how to keep the doors open and your bills paid, um, you won't have any place to work. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. If hosting this show has made one thing incredibly clear, it's that teamwork, data, and resources will be what help us thrive post-pandemic. Understanding that, Yelp and I have created a cheat sheet, offering insight into consumer behavior, popular trends, and free tools and resources to help you get open and stay open. You can download that guide at joshcopel.com forward slash resources. Didn't write that down? There's a link in the show notes as well. One sacrifice that we all seem to make is that we spend an exorbitant amount of time away from our families. Personally, I worry about the impact that my career will have on my daughter. There are case studies out there though, and today's guest, Christy Vega, is one of them. Her restaurant, started by her father, has been in business for over 60 years. And it's one thing to love what your father does for a living, it's something else entirely to choose that career path for yourself. Today she begins by sharing the origin story of Casa Vega. My dad was a, a, a entrepreneur and the restaurant was something that he started when he was 22 years old. And by the time I was born, um, he was 43. He was in the process of buying um, locations around LA to possibly make into other Casa Vegas, but he was definitely at a crossroads. So he actually um, did a whole different business and went into a distribution business for tobacco and um, casino products in Las Vegas. He got the contract at Nellis Air Force Base for the dining halls. And that was right when the mob was going out. So he was able to go to the sheriff and buy the vending um, companies that they had repossessed from the mob. And so then in Nellis Air Force Base, when he was running the dining halls and Costa Vega at the same time, he had these vending machines, which in those days were tobacco. So you, you know, camel cigarette vending machines, um, but everything came from LA that supplied Las Vegas. And he realized that. I and mean, we'd always intended to go back to L.A. Um, but once he figured that out, he said, I'm staying and building a distribution company for casinos and restaurants and 7-Elevens. And that's what he did. And we also had a Casa Vega in Las Vegas for a period of time. Um, so we would spend our summers in L.A. And we would come back and we would be around the restaurant. And that's when my dad would kind of reconnect. But Casa Vega is always a, a very family-run restaurant. My, he started it when he was 22 because my grandparents had a, a restaurant on Avera Street for 18 years that thrived and did really, really well. Um, but when they made Alvera Street a state park, they were going to ban alcohol. That was kind of the rumor. So my grandfather moved it, um, the restaurant to Hollywood and Vine. And at that time, Mexicans weren't always welcome outside of downtown. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't go. Um, the the food wasn't well received, um, and so they 
they lost the restaurant and fell into a depression. And my dad was in college. So he came back and worked selling life insurance at a gas station catering. And they ran into somebody in LA who knew the family and said, you guys have to open up and I have a location down the street. And so he said, okay, I've got my parents that are fully depressed <laughs> and are looking for a job. And they did it. So we borrowed a bunch of money. Um, and my, my grandparents worked there. The, all the recipes came from Cafe Caliente. His aunt, um, who also worked at Cafe Caliente, um, uh, ran it with him. And so when we were in Las Vegas, our Aunt Frances stayed and kind of kept um, the restaurant going. But the business in Las Vegas supported Las Vegas. So meaning the infrastructure, all the purchasing was done through that, that business, all the, um, the payables, all the ordering, everything. So as a little girl, I would work in both Vega Enterprise, which went on this distribution company. We always had to work. Um, so that was, that was with my dad. Like as soon as you were basically 10, you had to start coming to work, um, you know, some parts of the summer. So I'd go there and I'd see what was happening with the restaurant, what the restaurant was ordering, what they were doing, how we were paying the bills. And then we would, Vegas would get very hot. And then we would go for the summer to California and we'd, then I'd be in Las Vegas in the kitchen and hanging out with the chefs and seeing what was happening and behind the bar, not when it was open, but just, you know, kind of seeing what this other business that my dad did. And that was really kind of the anchor of our family. Um, so to me, Las Vegas was always purely family from my dad to my grandparents to my aunt Frances. Her son, Rick is now our general manager. <laughs> and um, it's just, Casa Vega has always been a jewel and it's always represented my father. Um, and so to me, that's why in these days, um, I'm incredibly protective of it. And um, whenever he's, he's old now, so he doesn't come in, he's fully retired and um, he's not incredibly healthy. So whenever, but whenever I step foot into the restaurant, I feel him or even in my office and I know him and I can hear his words and I can hear his advice. So I hope that maybe one day your daughter has that same relationship that, you know, a restaurant, I feel in so many ways, it's its own, especially Casa Vegas, it's, its own living, breathing thing. It has a heartbeat, mm -hmm. like a hum to it. So. For sure. What age did you start working there? Like really working there? Really working here. I was 21. So that's when I came back. I was done with college and, um, you know, in college, I, I'm a very creative person. So I thought of a couple different outlets that maybe I'd want to do from everything to architecture, to being a teacher, to, um, you know, possibly going to culinary school. I wanted to do something. And my dad was like, yeah, no, um, you're <laughs> going to go. <laughs> he was not one of those dads. It was like, do whatever makes you happy. Right. No, you're, you're whip smart and you're going to go get a business degree and you're going to learn how to run a business because no matter what your passion is in life, everything he felt was a business, whether I wanted to go and maybe have an architect firm or do whatever that I needed to know how to keep the doors open. And he said, right. you know, culinary school, because I said, what you know, culinary school? And he's, you can learn it in the kitchen. You can go after, but if you don't know how to keep the doors open and your bills paid, um, you won't have any place to work. And I think that was, it's the best advice, honestly. He, I, you know, not to promote, not, 
letting your kids follow their dreams. But um, I'm very <laughs> happy in, in my education and it's been wildly useful. And I'm so glad that he made me do that because it really is defined who I am today. Well, and so you started the restaurant at 21 years old. What, what position do you hold there? <laughs> well, at that time, um, you know, my dad was retiring in Las Vegas. And so that was a big, massive company that had 13 subsidiary companies underneath it. So he was selling those off one by one. But like I said, that supported Las Vega. So he, um, as soon as I was there, he's like, you got to set up the office. Like you have to set up, we have to pay the bills down there. We have to purchase down there. We have to do the workers comp, like all the insurances, you get to work. So that's exactly what I did is I set up all those infrastructures, um, the kind of the back of the house and the, the administrative stuff for him. And once that got settled, he moved from Las Vegas too. Cause he was like, what am I doing there? And you're, you're back at my house. My, my first baby. So um, he came um, and then we started working every day together here, which was amazing. I bet that was amazing. <laughs> amazing and fun, all, amazing fun and hard all at the same time. <laughs> For sure. Well, and that brings me to the next question. I, I mean, especially coming in, in an, in an operational role, you had to be able to look at the numbers and be like, this is going to be a pain in the ass every inch of the way, right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely is going to be a pain. It's going to be hard. Um, I think for me, the hardest part was is I could get the numbers down and I could do all that pretty well. But I was walking into a community that um, everybody had been here forever. I mean, you know, every kind of step I would take and be like, geez, you know, we're paying so-and-so so much in overtime or their payroll or they're not punching out in time. And I go to the employee and like, I remember when you were born. You right, were right. <laughs> But you can't, and you have to take your meal break, and now it's a serious conversation, and they're like, yeah. But that had to be an impossible <laughs> position to be in, right? They saw you at, like, three years old, because, they, like, in past interviews, you said, like, there are people that have been there 40-plus years. So yes. they, they were there when you were born. They watched you grow up in the restaurant, and now you're telling them what to do. Um, it's, it's got, I mean, I'm sure it's humbling for them, but I'm also sure it's very difficult for you to assume that role. Can you talk to me about that? It is. I think it's difficult on a couple levels. One that they've known me for so long and have seen me from, you know, you know, crawling to now. Um, but I think just being a female in general, it's really, really hard to be the leader of a ship that's mostly men, quite frankly. Um, and, um, and Latino men. You know, I mean, let's just not, <laughs> there, there's a bit of a machismo there. So I think to come in and to have everybody take you seriously wasn't anything anyone was going to give me. It certainly wasn't going to be my father and it wasn't going to be the staff. They loved me and just, you know, like my dad did. But at the same point, they weren't going to just fall in line because I, my last name was Vega. So it took a, a long time. And what I decided was my dad kind of ruled with an iron fist. You know, he was Mr. Vega. That that doesn't apply to my personality, and it doesn't apply, I think, sometimes always to my sex. Um, so I had to be smarter and more clever about it. And so I decided, for me, um, I was just going to work harder than everybody else. So, and that's how I was going to earn their respect. And I was going to do it, you know, maybe it would take a little bit more time, but I was going to show them that I was in it just as much as everybody else. 
And so if, you know, I got in the kitchen and I would take the worst job that there was there. So if I spent a day in the kitchen or I spent time, I would be with the dishwasher. I'd be scraping the plates. I would be making tamales for six hours. Um, I would do anything. I would, there's not one thing in this restaurant I haven't done from being underneath the dishwasher to cleaning out that floor sink. Um, I've done it all. And so I think that's huge. And over the years, I have beyond the respect of my employees. And if I say, you know, we're going to pull out all the equipment from the, <laughs> from the walls and we're going to scrape them, um, they know that I'm going to be right there leading the pack and probably doing the most scraping out of anybody. And so that's really what has earned me the most respect. And that's how I feel comfortable. What did your dad do really well when your dad was at the helm? What did he do really well? And then what do you do really well that's different than that? <laughs> My, my you know dad I mean? was the ultimate um, schmoozer. So, you know, beyond being just an incredible businessman and business minded, but what he did so well was everybody knew him. So he would float and flutter from table to table and talk to everybody and host, you know, happy hours and everybody, half the people were there just to see him. He had this incredible magnetic personality and you know, I'm, I'm very outgoing too, but I'm much more shy than he is. And so I don't, I won't just walk up to someone's table. I'll say, you know, is everything okay? Are you happy? Are you, you know, is you taken care of? But he would just walk up. I'm Mr. Ray Vega. It's so nice to meet you. And the people would love it. And that's something that I'm, I'm not great at. I, I'm, I'm definitely more shy than my father. Um, but at the other point, I think that where I do thrive is that, um, I change and I adapt and I have the restaurant change. So I'm able to kind of hear the feedback, whether it's from employees or from customers about people are wanting. And I make the little changes in the restaurant from menu items to bar to how we operate to the back of the house. And I think that as a female, I'm a lot more collaborative and it's just not kind of, I love my dad, but he was a little bit like my way or the highway. And I think that, mm -hmm. Even as a restaurateur, those days are over. You know, like if someone didn't like something, <laughs> the employees have um, stories of when he was young and he just like, you don't like it, get out. Like, oh, for sure. I mean, place, it's, like, <laughs> to tell yeah. you. And now, I've only been in the industry 20 years and I remember the days of chefs throwing pans across the kitchen. <laughs> Now that's done. They put down the pan and there's a therapy session that takes place. Exactly. The, 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 the foundational dynamics of, of the industry have changed greatly and greatly in like the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I think it's, and he says it too. He laughs all the time and it's like, only you could do this. Like you do it so much better than I do. And, um, you know, I, so I think we're both happy. <laughs> well, in, it leads to, to like today, right? In the pandemic. And I'm wondering, the, the restaurant is 60 plus years old? 64 years old. When when my restaurant closed and in the weeks leading up to it, uh, I had a lot of aha moments where I was like, oh, you know, we're not as foundationally strong here as I thought we were. Uh, this could definitely be improved. That could definitely be improved. Uh, even like in the in the way I thought about like our revenue streams, right? My business model was people will come in, they will sit down, they will eat, they will leave, more people will come in, full stop. Yeah. And, and, and you know, rinse and repeat. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh, you need to have multiple revenue streams. And there's so many different dynamics with cocktails to go and 
all of that. Can, can you talk to me about the foundational infrastructural weaknesses, if there were any, that kind of came to light because of the pandemic and what you guys are doing to overcome that? Yeah, well, definitely our weaknesses um, were glaring and that was how um, antiquated we were and just old school. And it was something that kind of like you, we embraced in a way. And it was just like, we are who we are. We're Casa Vega. Nobody's expecting us to be the most digitally aged restaurant. Nobody wants it, quite frankly. Um, and we, um, you know, everything was old. Our systems were old. Our to-go, we just, it was a bother, honestly. Like, we, nobody's, we couldn't sell alcohol to-go. So it just clogged up the kitchen. And it just, <laughs> Those were our weaknesses. I mean, we always right. call like the Casa Vega food to go. Even for our family, it was like a grab bag. Like, what's it going to be? What's in it? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, it, and that wasn't, I guess, a great attitude. So after the pandemic hit, um, I when I shut down Casa Vega, it really gave me some time to look at those weaknesses and um, try and turn them into fix them and turn our weaknesses into assets. And how could we do that? Um, so after, like you, I'm sure I, I cried for Casa Vega closing and um, kind of our old school restaurant. But then I got really motivated and. A year or two ago, I already started thinking about different revenue streams for Casa Vega. I've um, contemplated opening other locations. I never really get the right vibe from where I look at, um, and I'm so protective of this one. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll, maybe going into airports or stadiums and having those discussions with those people. So I, um, and again, back to that creativity. I had all these journals of different menus and different ways that the food could kind of translate in my mind and in my dreams um, in stadiums at airports and how to keep the integrity of the brand and do that. So when the pandemic hit, I pulled out and after I got done with my depression, I pulled out all those journals and opened them up. And I'm like, I have already so much groundwork done for a food to go concept that's better than what we were doing. And I'm not only better than what we were doing, I have a competitive streak in me. I wanted to do better than what I saw was being out there. I just really wanted Casa Vega to come back with their head held high and um, for my dad. And that's what I wanted to do. So once we got PPP, which was a huge relief, um, I knew it was good. And so I developed this drive-through system um, to try and employ. At that time, we thought we had eight weeks to like get through all this money, which I wish I would have known now. We have all this yeah, time. Oh, yeah. I could use some more of this money. Um, but, you know, I did the drive-through and it... Um, it was a great success, like the whole kind of concept, the whole vibe of it. And I think that it was really lucky I had all those journals because we, I pulled it, put it up in four days from when we got funded to, you know, the artwork, to the graphics, to the banners, to the t-shirts for the staff, four days and the food and the cooking. And, um, so that, that was a huge, a huge asset and, and a relief. And also in some weird way, um, you know, just like a, a, a breath, like, we'll be okay. You know, mm. <laughs> we can get this drive-through thing going and we're making money. We'll be all right. <laughs> Whatever comes next. But as soon as that drive-through hit and we were able to take a breath and realize, okay, now we're chugging and the, the alcohol to go is just amazing. And this is great. My mind started already going, we're going to have to jump again. 
they're going to open us up and what's that going to look like? And we're going to jump again. And I don't have journals for that jump. So I started thinking outdoor. It already started becoming a chitter chatter in New York. And the, you know, it was coming out in April that that people didn't want to dine inside. And I thought, okay, here we go again. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm sure that's something like when you talk about your daughter, there's a lot of responsibility in trying to, to um, maintain something that your father started and is this like crazy wild success. It's not going to go down on my, my watch. I I refuse. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's obviously I want her to avoid the industry at all costs, but at the same time, (laughs) I do want her in it, you know, because your ability, and, and I'm talking about the proverbial you and you specifically, like, like your ability to problem solve in real time, comes out of your education in the industry. Like it's not something that's taught in school, right? It's it's about reacting in real time to a problem, coming up with a solution. I mean, you know, you and I have both watched this industry get torn apart and sewn back together in a matter of weeks. And sure, it's not a perfect machine, but you name another industry out there that could pull off what we've pulled off collectively in, in, in a matter of weeks, you know, and, and it's the reactive nature, the, the, the inspirational nature uh, of the industry, right? 100%. And the people that are in it, I think that you're drawn to it and you stay in it and you love it um, when you're slightly insane too. Like I think <laughs> none of us are normal and that I was probably a couple years in at Casa Vega and I came to my dad and I was like, I love it. Like there's no other job for me. There's no other life path for me. This is it. But it's crazy. And it's it's the hardest job in the world. And, you know, you can wake up and you don't know what, what happened last night when you were asleep at your place. You don't know like just what you're going to do. But um, there's nothing better. And I think that you get addicted to it. But you definitely have to have that, that gene in you. My mother worries about me constantly. And she's like, <laughs> I wish you would do something easier that, you know, you're not on the news all the time, crying or happy or whatever. <laughs> um, but but it, it's, it's, what, it's what we all love. And I think that we are those people that um, are creative and but also have the resilient gene that doesn't matter if you were just run over, you're going to pop back up and be like, here we go again. <laughs> right. Ready for yeah. round two. Yeah. yeah. Do you still go to your dad for advice? Yeah, I still do, even though he's not. Sometimes I feel like he doesn't understand, and sometimes I feel like he understands more than I even give him credit for. But absolutely. Um, And the best advice my dad has always given me is, business is business. It's just a part of business. He'll say it to me today, and he, he said it to me. It echoes in my brain. Like, if I, you know, a lawsuit lands on my desk, or this happens, or the ABC decides to come in and rough us up for some reason, or whatever's happening, I'm just like, oh, and I'm like, Christy, it's just this. It's just a part of the business. It's a normal part of business. Like, you're not doing anything wrong. And I think that that is the best advice is just, it's just business. You know, you just go on, you don't let it affect you. But you know, my dad was also the most optimistic person in the world. (laughs) I think that's an essential element, right? I I tell people all the time that entrepreneurs by nature are optimistic. Restaurateurs take it to a level of ridiculousness. Like it's, you know, we just stare into the void and go, oh, it's not that deep. It'll be fine. Yeah, we're fine. We're just, 
doing 15,000 times more work for 15,000 times less money, but it's good. <laughs> right. Well, and that brings me to the next point, which is, do you want your kids to get into it? Yeah, I think like you, I'm torn about it. Um, they see me work really hard. I think that they like that. And I think they're inspired by it. They're proud of me now. My oldest is, I have four boys, um, 16, 14, 11, and six. And so my oldest is starting to kind of realize like, wow, mom works really hard. And not only does she work really hard, what she does is pretty cool. And I'm like, it's not that cool. You know, you got to take off the rose colored glasses. Let's get him under the dishwasher real quick. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so I think he's kind of looking at it as, and I think he also, it's neat for my boys to have this legacy um, in LA. And I, and I hope that they do in a way kind of, we all can work together, but I would never push it because again, you have to be somewhat insane and your life could explode in any minute with no warning. Like it just did for all of us on March 16th. (laughs) At the conclusion of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Uh, these are your industry cohorts. Is, Is there any words of encouragement or advice you would like to offer? Oh, to my fellow industry people, I'm just keep moving one foot in front of the other. And, you know, as we've heard in a thousand different directions and a thousand different ways, we're all in this together and we're all in the same experience. We all wake up thinking, I want this to be over. But at the same point, how are we just going to move through it to survive to when it is? And to every industry person out there, please, next year in 2021, let's come to Casa Vega and let's let's have some margaritas together and, and talk about how we did survive. That's Christy Vega of Casa Vega. To learn more about the restaurant, go to casavega.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.